Are you ready? Okay. Welcome to Church in the Mall. Welcome home. It's, it's been a wild week, hasn't it? And a lot of what we consider normal is no longer normal. I've, I've heard some crazy stories and I've seen some things that I, I didn't expect to see in my lifetime. Um, I've had friends tell me how when they went to the grocery store, every cart was in use. When was the last time that you went to the grocery store and there wasn't rows and rows of carts available for use? Because the whole store was full of people stocking up. And we are all very much aware that there is a shortage of toilet paper. And I find this particularly amusing in the midst of a respiratory pandemic that people are hoarding toilet paper. And I gotta be honest, if you need 400 or 500 rolls of toilet paper on hand, you got a bigger problem than coronavirus. But to be serious, we are looking at the fact that our Ohio schools are canceled for three weeks, along with all their activities, their trips, their plans. And employers are asking some people to work from home now. And luckily for most of us, every corporation that we've ever given our email to has emailed us to clue us in on their response to coronavirus. And all of this has happened in the midst of one week. It is a lot to take in. It is a lot to navigate and adjust for in such a short amount of time. And I don't know about you, but this is definitely un chartered territory for me. That as leadership, as we've looked at what should be our response, that canceling public worship for two weeks was a really hard call, but I believe it is the right one or I would not have made it. And in this, I have been challenged to consider what makes the church the church. What makes us the body of believers who gather in the name of Jesus? What makes the community that has Christ at its center? The gathering of pre people who practice loving God and loving others as themselves in their everyday lives. Now, a little confession. When a, when a crisis hits, pastors have to decide, have to reflect on whether they are going to continue with the message that they have prepared or dump it and choose to address the crisis. For me, actually, this week, the answer was very easy. The reality that we are in is one that I think confronts every aspect of our lives, particularly our spiritual lives. But the interesting thing is that as we have been journeying this series on our spiritual practices, as we are in the season of Lent, which calls us to a time of pause and reflection, that we have delved into what it is, the habits that we have, the practices that we have, that position us best to encounter God, that this week we were talking about what it is to serve. What it is to serve one another, what it is to serve the world, community, and I can't think of a better topic, message, to address the situation we are in than this. 
because I believe in the coming weeks we will have an abundance of opportunities to serve each other and to serve our world. That we will be continuing to explore these practices because these are meant to be part of our everyday lives, not simply Sunday. If our faith is only what we do on Sunday morning, it is flat and it is weak. It is not a faith that will sustain us in the midst of life's challenges, certainly not in the midst of a pandemic. And I believe that our practices of worship, prayer, study, serving, giving, and sharing will become powerful tools that will help us weather this season that we are in of socially distancing ourselves. Because I think that while we practice this social distance in order to preserve lives, that we also risk social isolation, which can be such a threat to our mental and spiritual health. And so I think it is so fitting that we look at scripture today to give us hope and guidance, to look at a particularly ancient community that was experiencing extreme stress to find hope for our days ahead. And we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. Apostle Peter was writing to a community under extreme stress, that they were experiencing pressures from the outside world, things that were completely out of their control. Interesting to see how some things aren't so ancient. Now, while this community that Peter is talking to is experiencing persecution, which we are not at this time, they were definitely in a season of stress. And Peter's answer to this crisis, this stress that that community is experiencing, is the importance of a loving Christian community. That experiencing a loving Christian community in the time of crisis is the best way to cope in a difficult time. So allow me to read our scripture for us today. Uh, you're welcome to turn in your Bible um, to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Peter's words are general instructions for the entire faith community. They are instructions for the family of God. And they are to love one another, show hospitality to one another, use your gifts to strengthen each other and sustain your communal faith. And I want us to take note of how much he emphasizes love. Above all, love each other deeply. 
This is a core value. This is a priority as a, as a Christian virtue. The church itself is strengthened in its faith when we relate to one another in love. And this love is, is worked out. And we are commended to do it deeply. We have to work at loving one another. Especially in difficult times when the temptation is to withdraw, to become bitter, to take out our stress and our anxiety on one another. You see, when we are under stress, our relationships are what tend to suffer the most. And they are the things that we need the most when we are in crisis. So we have to use a greater effort to care for one another. See, we have it all backwards at times. We think love is a feeling. It's more. Love is an action. Love isn't love unless it is acted upon, unless it is directed at someone. Love, as Christians, should dominate our thinking. Not just loving the ones that we like, because we should always be asking the question, how do I demonstrate love to this person? No one is excluded from the love of God that we are called to live out in our everyday lives. See, when, when love is our focus, we act differently. We choose to be better over being bitter. When we love one another, we are better able to tolerate our differences forgive wrongs, and even grow together. And then Peter, Peter goes on to address hospitality as a specific way that we can love one another. And I want to speak directly to how hospitality in the Bible is described because it takes on several forms, and I think it expands our understanding of it as more than just offering someone a meal. That is part of it. Acts of hospitality include receiving someone into your home. That may be to provide them lodging, protection, or food. And making people feel welcomed. Meeting their needs. That we see often in biblical hospitality. It's the idea of permitting strangers to harvest the corners of the field. We see this in scripture that, that this was always allowed, that there was always the recognition that we shouldn't hoard everything for ourselves but leave something for another, even the stranger, even the alien in our midst. That we are to clothe the naked. There's the idea of tithing food for the needy to take care of their basic needs, including strangers in religious practices and ceremonies. So for me, when I think about hospitality, is, is really any action that communicates welcome, intimacy, and unity. It tells another person, you belong and you are cared for. You matter. And Peter, when he's writing to this community that is in crisis, is under stress, he encourages them not to simply do it out of duty which is often what we do, right? Oh, fine, I'll do it, I'm supposed to. No, 
to not grumble about it, as Peter puts it, but to do it from a heart of love, to do it generously, to do it kindly, to do it lovingly. This, this is how the church expresses its love for one another. And then as a final piece of encouragement, Peter tells them to go beyond hospitality, to use those gifts, those abilities that they have to serve others, and to use these gifts in love. And the thing is, we all have different gifts and abilities. We all have different skill sets, experiences that we bring to the table and that can be used in God's kingdom. And I have seen it at this church so clearly at times. I have seen how some of you love children and care for them. I've seen how some of you are so just natural at welcoming people. How some of you are gifted teachers. And how some of you just have this, this gift of help. That no matter the situation, you just instinctively know what to do in order to make it better. And others of you are just amazing at making yourselves available. So when Peter is encouraging this community on how they're going to address the crisis that they're in, he is encouraging them to love one another as a means to put up with each other, especially in hard times. Sometimes we just have to tolerate our differences, but to do it out of love, to offer hospitality, and to use our gifts to help others. Because the reality is that we are all experiencing a stress right now. That coronavirus has added a stress to our lives, that we now have the fear of getting sick, the fear of getting our loved ones sick, those who are most vulnerable in our community. As some of us are looking at this and maybe fearing a loss of our jobs, some of us are just like, how are we going to handle this? that we have been encouraged to distance ourselves socially, to engage in a practice of social distance. And we're like, how are we going to handle this? How are we going to handle the challenge of caring for our school-aged children who are now home with us, as well as our jobs? That many of us are grieving canceled plans, some of which have been in the works for years. That trips we may have saved for and planned for and invested in are now are postponed or canceled permanently. My, my youngest niece is a senior in high school, and my heart breaks for her right now. This is her last year of high school, and it is meant to make memories, to offer closure for those high school years, to allow her the opportunity to celebrate with her friends and instead, she is finishing her classes online. She has been told that there's probably no prom, no senior trip, no graduation. All the things she was looking forward to are now canceled. And let's be honest, this sucks. And, and while we can gain some perspective and go, well, in the grand scheme of things, of life and death, Prom is minor, right? But it's still a loss for her. And even more importantly, it's the loss of normalcy. 
It makes this situation even scarier for some of us. That normalcy, that consistency of what to expect is off the table now, isn't it? And I think that's what's causing a lot of us to react in fear. But the thing is, we have a choice. Yes, we can respond with fear. We can hide ourselves away. We can shut people out. We can hoard the necessities. We can take care of our own. And who cares about anyone else? Or, or we can respond with love and grace. We can find new ways, creative ways, to connect with each other. Find new ways to love in the time of social distance. Find new ways to offer hospitality, to communicate with our words and our actions that people long and that they matter and that they are accepted. We find new ways to meet needs and ensure that people are cared for in this time in which there's so much opportunity to do good. Peter's words are not just for folks 2,000 years ago, but they are for us today. That loving one another means putting up with one another, offering hospitality, and using our gifts to help others. So how will we do this in the midst of the challenge of social distancing? And probably like many of you, I have seen too much of the negative. I have seen the response of fear and hoarding. The reality that there is a limited amount of toilet paper out there right now. Or what I read yesterday that just burned me up. It was a story about a man who had gone throughout his area buying up 17,000 bottles of hand sanitizer in the hopes of getting rich off of it. In the hopes of getting rich off of fear and panic. This makes me mad. This makes me so mad and sad for our world to see this kind of behavior, this opportunistic behavior. And, and I'll admit, I have read all the conspiracy theories, or at least enough of them, that I am sick to my stomach about them. And the reality is that conspiracy theories just really give us this false sense of control and even more so a justification for withdrawing. So I have been mad. I have been scared. I have been anxious. But I've also been encouraged. I have been encouraged and inspired by acts of kindness I have seen in the last few days. As people choose to love in spite of fear, as people choose courage in spite of uncertainty. I've seen some of our local businesses, those who I, I know are most at risk in this season as we start to stop engaging publicly face to face, that they are faced with this loss of revenue. And instead of, of, of operating in fear, they're, they're offering 
A lot of our restaurants are offering free meals to kids who are dependent on a free school breakfast and lunch. That's amazing. I've seen college students who are now home because their courses have been moved online and their campuses have been pretty much evacuated. These college students are offering to babysit to recognize that some parents are not going to have the means to stay home with their children and they're looking for childcare in some ways. I've seen people offer resources and recommendations for how to manage caring for school-aged children at home while also managing your job as you are forced to work from home. That I've experienced this personally as a college roommate. She messaged me and a few of our other roommates and she is in another state and she lives in a containment area right now which means that the only things open are grocery stores, pharmacies, and hospitals. And her schools are shut down. She's home with her kids. She's having to work from home. She's having to navigate a new world of having to teach online as well as her husband is having to figure out how he's going to do his job without having to be physically present. And she shared her frustration with us, but also encouraged us. Because we all live in Ohio. And she encouraged us because she's like, I'm so encouraged to see how your state is handling this situation because they are being so proactive. And so throughout the weekend, we have been sharing our concerns, our frustrations with each other. We've also been laughing about it. That one of the final messages that came through last night was, and now they've shut down all the liquor stores in our county. And the comments came in, well, that's, that's clearly wrong because those are, those are medicinal items. Those are necessities. Those are going to help us weather the storm. And the jokes just kept coming in, and, and it was just good to laugh, to even smile, to share humor across the miles with one another, to know that we are not alone in this and the funny thing is that Denise, who was the one who messaged us, she inspired me to reach out to another friend, a friend of ours who is a principal at a school near Cleveland. And just knowing what's going on in our school systems right now, I figured she's got a lot on her plate and that she is being particularly challenged as a leader to handle a considerable amount of stress of leading her school and the new reality of what they're looking at in the midst of this crisis. But I also know her, and I know that she is probably handling it with grace and kindness. And I just shared that with her. I just reached out and I said, I know this has got to be difficult, and I know that it probably feels completely out of control, but I know you and I know that you are probably handling it well. It was just simply an opportunity to encourage her. And I didn't even have to be in the same room with her. So my friends, I want us to take these words from Scripture to heart. That we have an opportunity when faced with crisis to offer hope and love as the church. And those are things that are desperately needed in this time. 
that as we start to socially distance ourselves, that we remove ourselves physically from a lot of our, our regular, normal routines, that we don't use this as an excuse to isolate, because that is most dangerous. That we need to continue to be in relationship and connection with one another. That we just can't Netflix this time away. That instead we need to use it to connect with others in meaningful ways. That we need to look for opportunities to care for our neighbors, have meaningful conversations with our children. That so often before this crisis, I've heard people complain that they are too busy. That they don't have time for the things they really want to do or to be in connection and relationship with others. Well, we're going to have some time on our hands, aren't we? That as a lot of activities have been canceled, that out of a lot of things have just been scaled back, postponed, put off, that we are going to have some time on our hands. So how will we use it? And I'm going to encourage you not to waste it all on watching videos in isolation. Instead, let's go for walks with our kids. Maybe, maybe in your neighborhood, you want to offer to landscape your neighbor's flower beds. Run errands for those who can't in this season. Set up regular phone calls with family members who aren't local or may have socially distanced themselves because they are one of the vulnerable. There are all sorts of public opportunities as well. And by that I mean our local food pantry. The Food Pantry Network of Lincoln County is asking for help. That the majority of their volunteer force is 65 or older. One of the most vulnerable groups. And so in, in order to recognize that they need to care for their volunteers, but also continue the good work that they do, they're asking for help. Particularly they're asking for help from high school and college age volunteers. That as these students have shifted their classes online and their activities have been canceled, that they may have the freedom now to serve our community in this important fashion. That as we realize that a lot of the good work that goes on our world needs to continue and even more so. That the need for food is going to just increase in this time, especially as, as employers may even scale back hours for people, that there's going to be a greater need. So how will we meet that need? There are so many opportunities to do good, to serve one another, to remind each other that we are not alone in this. Because the reality is we are all experiencing this. And the hard thing is that sometimes we're tempted to feel that we are alone in it, that we are the only ones struggling in this. That is the danger of pulling back. But everyone is experiencing this. We are in this together, my friends. It isn't I and me it is we and us. And that is language we need to embrace. We are in this together. We all need each other. We have all been asked to disrupt our lives for the sake 
of others. Let me say that again. We've all been asked to disrupt our lives for the sake of others. We are changing our habits. We are, we are adjusting how we greet one another. We are just adjusting our schedules, our routines, and that is challenging. But we are doing it for the sake of others, aren't we? And this should not be a strange request for Christians. Because to serve one another is to engage in disruption. That to serve one another is to put aside our preferences, our routines, ourselves at times, in order to help one another. In order to make people feel welcome. In order to communicate that they belong and that they are loved. This is church. This is being the community of Christ. How we do church in the next few weeks will look different. But we will still be the church. Personally, I have, I have been so encouraged by, by leaders who have reached out and stepped up, asking how they can help me and how they can help the church at this time, recognizing that the church is the people. And leaders will be meeting in the coming days to figure out how we can be the church differently in this season, how we can still do what matters while socially distancing. We're looking into even how we can live stream a worship service for next Sunday. The care team is discussing how we can stay connected and offer practical, compassionate care in this season. Small groups are, are navigating how to stay in relationship if they're not meeting face-to-face. This is uncharted territory for us. This is totally new. And I ask for your prayers at this time. I ask that you would pray that we would have wisdom, that we would have creativity, that we would have the courage to learn new things on how to be the church in the season of social distance. And the thing is that we have some amazing tools in our world at this time that I am so grateful for. That technology is a wonderful tool that we will probably be utilizing a whole lot more at this time. And I recognize that this will be a challenge for some who are not comfortable with it. And we have to consider that. And maybe, maybe that is a gift that you can offer. Connecting with that technophobe to keep them in relationship with the church community. Now, we'll be certainly sharing more information in the days to come. And I ask for your help in this. I ask that you reach out, that you connect with people. You ask them how they're doing and if they need anything. And if you feel comfortable, ask them if you could pray with them. We have these amazing devices that we use mostly to scroll social media. But now is the time to use our smartphones as phones. Give folks a call. Send them a message. 
reach out. Because loving one another means caring for one another, putting up with our differences, offering hospitality. And we're going to have to get really creative about that, but I know that we can do it. And using our gifts to help others. What do you have to offer? This is something that we all should be praying about and paying attention to. Looking around the world, not just simply looking at what we're struggling with, but looking outward to see where we might meet a need, where we might be the church in action. Because, folks, this is how we serve one another in love. So let us respond in love. Amen.